Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you're a frequent listener to Hot Takes on a Plate here on the Believe Podcast Network, you know the show is centered around a game called Tell Me I'm Right, Tell Me I'm Wrong, where I throw hot takes at my culinary world friends and other eating enthusiasts about their areas of expertise. And while there will most definitely be hot takes in this week's episode, we're not playing games. My guest is a friend and a talented cook. He co-owns one of my favorite restaurants, The Gumbo Bros, which is on Atlantic Avenue, about where Cobble Hill, Borum Hill, and downtown Brooklyn all intersect. Adam Lathan joins me via social distancing technology. And Adam, I wanted to have you on because you're very opinionated, not afraid to say exactly what you're thinking and feeling. And like so many restaurateurs, you you had to make what I've been calling a lose-lose decision. Either continue to operate, doing only takeout and delivery, bring in some income, Try and pay your bills, try and help your staff pay their bills, but also put your health and that of your staff at risk or close for the time being, keep you and your staff out of harm's way, but also stop any money for any of you from coming in. And you you and I were were texting in mid-March as you were grappling with all of this. So talk me through your process and what your ultimate decision was for those who don't live in Brooklyn and know. Yeah, um, it was a... I mean, I think the one thing that is always going to stand out to me was just how fast things moved um, from a decision standpoint. I was, it seems like now that we've all been locked up for so long, uh, I've been quarantined for about a month now. Um, I think I remember having, I was, I was in New Orleans like a week, maybe like 10 days earlier before the virus really hit New York and everything shut down. I was at uh, a wedding, you know, for my my wife's brother, and having a great time. And and it, you started to hear these little murmurs of how this might affect the business and what's going on. So by the time I got back to New York, it seemed like, you know, it was the hot topic and what's going on and is this spreading and what's there's there seem to be all these you know opinionated ideas of what is or is not going to happen. And we were just kind of business as usual. And I went along that week. We had a very big week as far as like decisions with the business. I mean, I, I haven't told you this. We closed our, or not closed. We signed a letter of intent to open another restaurant the week before. Wow. Because we've been going back and forth. I've been going back and forth for oh my gosh. months, months of kind of back and forth and research and found what we thought was a good deal. And I'll tell you about it later, but uh, <laughs> everything you know, at that point, we're thinking expansion. We're thinking about what we can do next. And then it immediately went into survival. Yeah, because for those who don't know, the, the Gumbo Bros, it's on Atlantic Avenue, centrally located in Brooklyn. It's a small, just to paint a picture for people, it's a it's a small storefront. doesn't have a whole lot of seats. How many seats about? Uh, about 20 seats. Okay, about 20 seats. But it does pretty good volume for that size and it's and and you've built a reputation a strong reputation over the few years that you've been there that i feel like exceeds past the neighborhood it's it's i every time i go in there i feel like you get a lot of customers who aren't just from around the block like people will come there because what you're serving you're i mean gumbo's in the name i think people can kind of guess what you're serving obviously cajun creole po boys and gumbo and 
it's the kind of food where if you're from anywhere near that part of the country and you've relocated to New York, which a lot of people relocate to New York, it's a taste of home. And a lot of people are willing to go out of their way to get that taste of home. So it's, of course, you guys were on the verge of expanding because you've had a lot of success. Yeah, I mean, we're three years in. And for us, it seemed like, you know, we're on the right track. Everything's good. And it's just funny, not funny, but uh, it's just crazy how quickly things escalated. I mean, we went from everything the week prior to closing, our sales were actually up. Uh, it seemed like a lot of people were working from home. And like, as a business, we were, we were benefiting, like we were benefiting from that. Like everybody was, we're still coming in and uh, it seemed like everything was kind of business as usual. And then it seemed like over that weekend going into St. Patrick's day, that's when everything kind of turned. Well, yeah. Cause that Friday, that Friday before St. Patrick's day, that was the last day New York city schools were open. And I think what, and I think the, the chatter before that, I know as a parent, I was kind of wondering a few days before that, should we be sending our kids to school? Like, why are they still there? But, but they were open. And I think it was once the schools closed and it was at that same time that restaurants were told, you know, I think it was that weekend that restaurants were told you need to create more space in the restaurants. I think it was 50% capacity you were allowed to do. I think and it was Friday. I, yeah. yeah. And then I think it was that Monday, the same day the schools were closed for the first day. That was also the, the day that restaurants were no longer allowed to seat diners. It had to be takeout or delivery. Yeah. We, um, I, I live around the corner from the restaurant and I walk to work every day and I noticed every day I walked by that Trader Joe's on Atlantic Avenue and the Trader Joe's line was just going from, I mean, every every morning I'd walk in fairly early right before they, they would open and it was getting longer and longer. And I remember just being like, people are starting to, um, you know, react accordingly. Some people I thought were panicking at the time. Some people I, I thought weren't reacting fast enough. Those lines have gotten longer, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I know uh, that you have, we're, since we are um, doing this via social distancing technology, I know that you have left the city. So um, you are not privy to seeing those lines at this point. But um, they are, of course, people are standing six feet apart, which makes it look longer. But I have seen that line, I kid you not, go from Court Street down to Clinton Street and wrap around. I mean, it, it is, there are other places to get groceries. That's all I'm saying. No offense, I love Trader Joe's. The food is great, but there are there are other decisions that could be made. It seemed like no, it seemed like it was unbelievable. Every day it was just getting longer and longer, and you could see the tension growing. And like I said, it was just so fast. But you were because you we were. I remember we were texting, and you you were originally you were like, "All right, we're going to do this. We're going to do the delivery. We're going to do the takeout," and, and you did it for for a day. Yeah. We were closed on Monday. We, we had actually been scheduled. We closed like once a quarter or, or sometimes just depending on, you know, if we know it's going to be a slow day, if we think it's going to be bad weather, we'll close like on a Monday. We'll do like a really deep clean, deep scrub inventory, take care of office stuff and just kind of take a day, let it, you know, come in and then get out pretty quick. Um, and that Monday we were scheduled to do that. And then uh, that Tuesday was, I believe it was St. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day. And we were going to go for it. And I kind of woke up that day with the, you know, kind of the us against the world and I'm going to do this and you're going to have to kind of take this, you know, you're going to have to 
you know, I will not stop. You were fighting for your business. Absolutely. And, and I thought I was doing it for myself and for my family and for my staff and, and for everybody in my community. Cause I mean, I, I don't just live here. I mean, I'm, you know, like I said, I, I don't just work here. I live here. It, it means a lot to me. And it, it was just so obvious in that first day I could tell from the sake of what the delivery, because we outsource all of our deliveries. Most restaurants do in the city, by the way, if you ever get something and uh, are having an issue with the delivery, there's a good chance your, your driver or our delivery person is not actually employed by the restaurant. So anyway, um, I could just tell by how they were handling it and just the atmosphere of seeing a couple of people who came in who just were not taking it seriously at all. And the thing that really hit me the hardest was uh, my business partner and I were working that day. We had two other employees in and they were scared. Like they were actually scared. And I think that was when I kind of realized like how close to home this is hitting and that this is not just going to go away. So they weren't, so they weren't like, I'm so glad we're open. I get to collect a paycheck. They're like, this paycheck right now is not worth it because my health and safety are in their eyes at risk. They're scared. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of people that work in restaurants are, you know, let's call it like it is. They aren't, I mean, they don't make a ton of money. A lot of them are commuting in, they're taking public transportation. They're, they're not in a position to, to, I mean, they're, they're scared. And uh, I just, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. And I think that was it for me. I just, I realized I was like, this is not the right thing to do. I don't, if one of them were to get sick, it, there is no dollar amount like as a human being for, for me to be okay with that. So I, you know, we talked briefly, we had this whole idea, this whole everything and, and our, our action plan and all this stuff. And it just went out the window. So when you say talk, talk briefly, are you talking about you and your business partner, Clay, or was it a whole staff wide thing or Clay and I just really thought about it and you know, and he, I remember he looked at me, he goes, I'm scared too. And I said, yeah, I am too. This is because everything was just happening so fast. It was just such a rapid, um, I don't know, just everything happened so fast. But you guys were, even with that, you guys were sort of ahead of the curve in terms of closing. I mean, I think there were a lot of the big fine dining restaurants decided before the weekend was over to close. I remember uh, Danny Meyer closed his restaurants and uh, La Bernadette with Eric Repair closed and Daniel Balud closed and some of those industry leaders closed right away. But you're not one of those restaurants. You're not fine dining. You're not white tablecloth. It makes sense for those restaurants to close because – those restaurants are not equipped to do takeout and delivery by and large. That's not what they do. Those are experience, experiential restaurants. You are equipped to do takeout and delivery. And honestly, like a lot of what you do is well equipped to do it. Like, like you could have had a lot of success doing that. And yet you were you you were kind of I remember being like, wow, like like that was very forward thinking of you to, to close in because we're seeing a lot more people now with restaurants like yours doing that. I mean, again, it was as simple as when I realized that the staff wasn't comfortable and that I wasn't comfortable and nobody was at that time because it seemed to be escalating so quickly. I was like, you know what, let's just, you know, we'll take it one week by week is what I said initially. I was like, you know what, let's take a week. We can, we can survive. It will be okay. We will figure this out. And then within a week, everything just continued to escalate and get worse. 
and we're still, I mean, the virus is just now kind of at the apex, if you will, in New York, as they say. But uh, uh, it, it seemed like at the time, I, I didn't think, I did not think I would be a month in away from work. And, uh, you know, we had to lay off like everybody else. We kind of had to lay everybody off. And I mean, look, a lot of people out there did stay open and I don't judge or think everybody has, you have to do what you have to do. It's a lose, lose. Yeah. There's there there are no no winners. There's nothing. Nobody's winning in this situation. And I know a lot of people who I've talked to uh, that stayed open and then closed. I know a few people who are still open. I've heard various reasons. I mean, cause you talk to everybody and, and also friends, from not just in New York, but that own restaurants, uh, you know, all over the country and just this community, everyone I've talked to is in the same bad situation. And a lot of people have had to stay open for financial reasons. Number one. Also, I've heard people say that uh, they don't think that they're going to get government benefits because they do have illegal immigrants on staff. There are so many factors that go into that decision. So for us, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair for anybody to judge anybody for their decisions. You just got to do what you got to do. But we, we just looked up and we said, this isn't, we don't know if this is safe, so we don't want to take the risk. Yeah. And, you know, I'm doing this interview with you and I'm doing this show, which is usually a fun, light debate show, but I wanted to do this conversation. I'm sorry, Adam, that you don't get to have the fun, light debate show. Um, we'll do it again. <laughs> but, but I wanted to do this for a couple of reasons. Cause you know, I think a lot of restaurants, you know, even a month after the mandate to close dining rooms, they're still grappling with how to do this. They're still grappling with, okay, I've been doing takeout and delivery, but should I close now? Or did I make the right decision? Or should I reopen now and try doing takeout and delivery? And, you know, hearing you talk about this maybe can help them one way or another make a decision for them. Because again, there is no right or wrong decision on this. It's They're all kind of crappy decisions, like if we're just being honest. But I also wanted consumers to fully understand the challenges that people like you, their favorite restaurants are facing right now. I mean, you're facing real challenges that go beyond staying healthy. I mean, restaurants have rents to pay. Uh, I don't I don't know. Like, how has your landlord been during this? My landlord reached out and was uh, sympathetic and said, you know, obviously, can you pay? And uh, I told him across the board, we, we've stopped just to basically just we're freezing all, all payments to everything, as everyone pretty much has uh, spoken to all my vendors. There's just so many people, I think, that also, I mean, like when we shut down, we have 15 individuals on staff. And people hear that number, but I think people also don't realize that, you know, I'm also paying my landlord, I'm paying for utilities, I'm paying my linens, I'm paying uh, trash pickup here. There's just so that all my vendors, there's such a ripple effect of so many people and almost every one of them is based in Brooklyn. So like there is this local impact on the economy from every single little shop. It might be little, but uh, there's a lot of people involved. And um, no, so my landlord, we talked, uh, they're, they offered me basically, I, I would have preferred an abatement program because who, who wouldn't, but I think as of right now, there could be offering like an extension and they told me they get back to me by the end of the month and we'll just kind of see how things are going. So, uh, you know, I know other people who their landlord basically told them, you know, too bad, pay me, which is uh, sad and a terrible way to do business. Uh, but I don't know. It, it, I, I was really hoping throughout this process, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, coming together and people doing the right thing. And I think for the most part, you are seeing that across the country and especially in business sectors. But uh, I'm, I'm 
there are some people I've heard of who haven't been as lucky. And that's why some people got to stay open, you know, like it's just, right. a, it's, it's, there is, like you said, it's pretty loose, loose for everyone. It's well, a sad it, time. And you're sort of like a, an interesting case study on this because, you know, obviously you're not a big corporation. You are the epitome of a mom and pop. Uh, but you're also what I would consider to be a successful mom and pop. You were looking to get ready to expand to a second location. And clearly that takes a degree of success to do. And knowing you personally, I know you're also a very smart person who who plans ahead and, you know, understands how to manage money and all of that. But yet all that being said, this is, you know, the, the term I read in every article I read about this, like if I had a, you know, a, a dollar is razor thin margins. I mean, it's the term that you keep hearing because it's true. It is razor thin margins in the restaurant industry. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about here. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're some wealthy CEO who's sitting on a pound of gold doubloons. I mean, I mean, finance, like, I, 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 financially, like how long can you ride this out? Like, what, like, 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 where does this put you? Like what? Dude, Dude, I'll tell you the same thing I tell everybody else. It's like, if I wanted to make money, I would have done something else in my life. You know what I mean? This is not, this is a passion uh, project in in this business. And this is kind of, and everyone that I know from, and I've been really fortunate in time in New York to meet people from, you know, big name, if you will, to, to, you know, mom and pops. And everyone says the same thing. And that there's not that much of a, there's not a lot of juice uh, compared to how much, the squeezes and so before this yeah it was almost impossible to operate be profitable and uh you know just keep the doors open for a lot of people so after this it's going to be it's it's going to be scary out there but at the same time i really hope that this industry bounce back uh, bounces back I, I hope that also from a consumer standpoint that people and i think people will honestly i think people are gonna like i mean can you not wait like to go out to, to go to your favorite place to, uh, you know, go out with your family, go meet a friend, go, whether it's grabbing a, you know, a beer at a bar or going to your favorite local restaurant or going out for a date night or whatever it may be. I do think that people will get back to that. It might take some time. Uh, and, and only time will tell, but I think that things are going to bounce back. I worry about that though. I really do. I think, look, I think there are some people who, you know, they're, they, they literally cannot wait to jump back to normal and they, they're, they'll probably do it sooner than they should if we're being fully honest. But I also wonder if we are actually reprogramming our brains, if you will. You know, we jumped into this whole new way of living very fast. And I find myself now when I'm out on the street, if I'm just getting some fresh air, some exercise and doing it in a smart way. Of, of like, I feel fearful of other people, you know, and I don't know if I can turn that light switch on and off. I had a, a guy today, he was a delivery guy and he was a little lost and he's on the other side of the street. So we had a whole street between us yeah. and I, he calls out to me and he needed to know where something was and he starts walking toward me and I literally threw up my arm and I'm like, dude, stop. <laughs> like, I will answer your question, but like, I don't know if he would have stopped six feet away, but 20 feet away was too close. Like, just stop. And I wonder, like, will going out to a restaurant, will will we all be looking around kind of feeling awkward? Will restaurants have to, you know, uh, have fewer seats in there, which is going to cut into their margins? I think about you because 
one of the things we were messaging about this the other day that I'm most looking forward to, like, honestly, like if I could like paint a picture of my first meal back at a restaurant, it would be for one of your crawfish boils that you do this time of year. And because it's, I, I went last year with my dad and it was one of the best meals I've ever had, partially because, you know, it was that not to be cheesy, but it was like that father son bonding time. I don't get a lot of moments like that with my father, you know, where it's just the two of us. And, you know, my mom's a bit of a picky eater. So, you know, it's like when we go out, it's a very with her, it's a very different dining experience. But me and my dad and crawfish and hanging out and having a couple beers and being there for a couple of hours. I mean, that was that was really special to me. But then I wonder, are people going to want to eat crawfish now? Like, is that like like that communal, everybody putting their hands in the same bowl? I was talking to, to Wilson Tang from Namwa Tea Parlor today. Namwa Tea Parlor, dim sum. Like, will people want to share tapas restaurants? Will people want to share? Are we all going to go back to a very militaristic, you, you have your plate, I have my plate, and we stay separate? Like, I don't know. And that not that defeat dining out? Like, I don't know. I'm just being real here. I have no idea. I mean, I, I think I'm, obviously it's a lot of wishful thinking on my part because if not i'm absolutely screwed but uh, <laughs> i mean for us what i'm seeing and hearing from so many people whether it's like on social media or just the text or a call uh, whether it's like a you know mostly customers people reaching out and being like i can't wait i can't wait to come back i can't wait to come back so i think people are also locked up right now and going a little stir crazy and the idea of getting out there's maybe that's what i want that's why i'm saying it I don't, it, it is not going to be automatic. We're not just going to, like you said, flip on the lights and everybody's going to walk in and everything's just business as usual. It's going to take a little time, I think. But I, I do think it is gonna, it's going to allow this industry to bounce back or we're going to have to continue to adapt to do the right things, uh, take the right measures and make sure that our guests are comfortable because at the end of the day, you know, I always tell people like, you know, you're not paying me for food. You're paying me for the experience of being in the restaurant or not having to cook or, or having a little escape, if you will. So, I mean, I, I think that people are going to want to come back. It is going to take time though. And uh, uh, I mean, personally, I just can't wait until that time comes back. Uh, it's what my wife and I keep talking about, what we miss and one of our favorite things about living in New York and why we both continue to do so is, is just the adventures that you can kind of have when you want to go out and dine. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you talk about time. And, yeah. You were just oh, going to yeah. say, you talk about time, like, like how much time do you feel like you have as a small business owner? Like how long can uh, you ride this out? Like how does, like, how does that work for you? Realistically, I think, oh, it's so, it's such a loaded question. Um, we are waiting on, uh, basically relief from the government. We did apply uh, for aid. There's been a lot of, uh, seems to be, I think it's, people aren't quite sure when that's going to come in right now. And it's what scary. is that aid and what are the strings? I mean, I've heard there's so many couple. things from restaurants. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of caveats and a lot of that aid is mm -hmm. going to have to get paid back. It's not, it's not like, it's not just a, a load of free money. The, I, yeah, I think that's the one thing I've warned so many people about and all my friends that, I mean, because we've been talking about it. Everyone I know has just been talking about the same thing over and over again. I think we're all very, very concerned with the idea of loading up on debt. Uh, most people don't obviously need any more as a business. And these programs where, I mean, I heard someone said it's free government money. And I'm like, dude, there's no such thing. <laughs> it doesn't no. work that way. So 
they have a lot of, I mean, rules and regulations applied to them, uh, being particularly the CARES Act. There's one, the Paycheck Protection Program, which most people I know are doing that, ourselves included. Uh, that money, uh, if, if we get it, we don't know when. It could be a week, it could be a month. I mean, who knows, it's kind of a mess. But uh, basically that money, if it goes towards red utilities and rehiring staff, it is forgiven by definition from the small business administration. So we apply for it. And even if we get it, I mean, we can still choose not to accept it. It's just a matter of whether or not we want to continue with it. So that could float us for a couple of months. Uh, I had some cash reserves and I just, you know, talked, I mean, I have a little bank, have a little line of credit. Uh, my landlord is being pretty reasonable right now. It seems like we could hold out for, I mean, I'm hoping through the end of the summer, but at some point you do have to look up and say, but you're like a, you're, but you're like a best case scenario, right? Like you're, you're you're sort of the exception, not the rule for, for restaurants your size. Oh no. Most people, that's why, again, that's why so many people are still open. uh, And it's just a, it's such a nightmare of a situation, but I think that there's going to have to be something done. uh, Continued legislation needs to happen. There's just so many answers that aren't available right now. So everyone's in the dark. And the one thing I've told everyone who's reached out and you know said, you know, hey, I'm sorry to hear about things and we're thinking about you and all that. And like, I really do. I mean, it means a lot and it keeps me going and I appreciate it. But I mean, I, I haven't really had time to feel sorry for myself in this situation because everyone is in the same situation. So I feel like it's... I think the best thing you can do is just take it day by day and just and, try to, yeah. And as I say, the, the restaurants that are open right now, the ones that are doing the delivery and takeout, you hit on it earlier. If you're in New York, you might not have your own, in the city, I should say, you might not have your own delivery people. You're using these third-party apps. And these third-party apps are, you. if we want to get into some hot take territory. Let's go. I mean, holy <laughs> cow. What they are doing right now is criminal. You know, they already first off, before this all went down, you know, all these apps, the the I don't know, Uber Eats and the DoorDashes and the, you know, Grubhubs and the Seamlesses and all of them were taking what, 20, 30 percent right off the top of what you're doing. So they're taking, you know, in in an industry where there's your profit, like it's just going out the window. And now in this era right now, when restaurants are struggling and they could barely stay afloat. Not only are they are they not giving any relief from what was already exorbitant, but <laughs> I mean the fact that they're doing things where they're trying to say it's in the guise of helping out, you know, they're saying we're not going to charge our service fees, but they're not actually not charging them; they're just deferring them till later. Yeah, such so as a it, big balloon payment. It's garbage, like, and you uh, see uh, these commercials on TV with We Care and Reopen. It's they've been doing it before. It's pretty. It's pretty, uh, it's been the running joke, it seems like with everyone I know, like just throughout this process that they've been on this PR campaign to talk about what they're doing for the industry when in fact, they're one of the big things that are holding back. I know the New York Restaurant Association is trying or uh, trying really, really hard to lobby, uh, I think like here in the state to limit all delivery apps at 10% because it seems like a reasonable fee. Are they gonna go down these services? Are they gonna go down is this going to bring them down or are they just going to get more powerful from this? It's I, I, God, who knows, man. You would think that I would think that 
there's going to be continued. There has to be in order for things to just not get back to normal, but at least for us to pretend like it is, there has to be continued legislation. There has to be pushes uh, across the country, not just in New York, to try to get some type of aid or relief to small businesses. I know today they're talking about all kinds of stuff. I mean, go follow the New York City Restaurant Alliance, the New York, you know, New York restaurant. There's hospitality groups and whatnot. There's a lot of different people out there and pushing and tweeting. And it seems like there's so many different ideas, whether it be, you know, like all sales tax for the next year become like a grant and people get to keep their money back uh, or, or capping delivery fees. There has to be something because the, like you said, it was already razor thin before. Now it's just a matter of like, for some people, and I've, I know some people who've already told me like, we're just not going to reopen. They're like, it's not worth it. If that loan, if that free money that we talked about becomes a loan, then what's the point of stacking up X amount of debt on, on the company? Because it's already not working. And we don't know what type of consumer environment we're walking into. I think it's going to take so much time, months and maybe even years for people to get back to normal and want to go out and, 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 and get close like, like we talked about. Now, I think and I hope that people want to go out sooner, like I said, because I'm a restaurant owner and this is my livelihood and how I how I get by. Um, but there's no telling. We just have to wait and see. So, so under I was say, so under what circumstances do you see yourself reopening? Like when will you know that it's time? I have an idea in my head. I don't want to say a date because I don't think that's the right thing to do because uh, I just don't know yet. But well, like what kind of environment yeah. do you need to see? I mean, and when I say open, I don't even mean like necessarily mm -hmm. like the governor says you can yeah. open your dining room. I just mean like, like open just in some yeah. way, shape or form. Like what do you yeah, need We could do delivery. We could, we could go back and do delivery tomorrow. But I mean, until I feel comfortable asking uh, staff members to come in, I, I don't see us reopening and until i speak with all of them and i have been in contact with everyone that that we work with we're a very tight-knit group uh trying our best to help them out as best that we can uh until we feel as though it's the right time and it's the right thing um you know we're just taking it day by day week by week and uh we're just trying to make that decision until until things are safe that's the answer because it's, it should be the only answer. You know what I mean? Like what other answer is there? Right. You know what? Let's end this on, let's end this on a happier note, shall we? Let's end this on something up. Let's, let's do a little daydreaming. Let's do a little fantasizing here. Uh, knowing you, I know when, when you're not working, which you're working a lot, but when you're not working, you like to travel. Traveling is a big thing for you. So what, what's the first trip you're going to take when this is all said and done and you can gallivant oh the world goodness. once again? I'm in. Depends on my budget. Uh, <laughs> man, I'd probably, it's fantasy. I'd probably, There's no budget. I mean, honestly, I think now, I mean, my family lives, my sister lives in New Orleans. Man, my family lives fairly close by. And that's where so much of my wife's from New Orleans. That kind of seems like the obvious answer for me. And uh, that's just, you know, a very special place for me. So yeah, I'd probably get back to New Orleans to see my friends, see my family. And, uh, you know, go out to eat, have some fun, try to try to be normal. <laughs>
Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, Adam, thank you so much for, for taking the time. And uh, the, on Instagram, it's the Gumbo Bros or Gumbo Bros? The Gumbo Bros. The Graham. Gumbo Bros. So make sure to follow the Gumbo Bros. I'm sure you'll have a big announcement when it is time to reopen and do your thing. So follow the Gumbo Bros on Instagram and look out for that. And of course, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Rob Patron TV. If you like what you just heard, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please rate us, leave a comment, always helps. Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V. Check them out at B-L-E-A-V.com. That's all I've got. Stay safe and sane. And until next time, ciao. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.